Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicky Doe Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 69. Homeschooling has exploded among black, Asian, and Latino students. What are some of the reasons? What are the secrets to raising a resilient kid? The ability to bounce back is more important now than ever. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. So, how are you, D? Hi. <laughs> I am doing well, Vicki Doe. How are you doing? I am doing great. And like we always say, we, we, we discuss what the weather is, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, the only problem I have with the weather now is that uh-huh. I'm waking up and it's dark at 630. It is dark. It is dark. And it's cooler. It's I like dark, it. And it's cooler. I like the coolness and everything. But, yeah, it just reminds us that, whew, it's going to be winter soon. <laughs> oh, it is. You mm. know, I, I had to break I had to break out a little long sleeve something or other this morning. Yes, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. But we are here. And but we are here. We yes. are ready. Yes, we are. We are ready. Yes, we are. Well, this is episode 214. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. I know, right? That's amazing. And today, yes, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 69. Now, parents are homeschooling their kids. And the numbers have increased tremendously among black, Asian, and Latino students. And guess what? It is not just because of the pandemic. It goes even deeper than that. Research show- I was surprised at that article. I, was I know, right? Talk about that. I was surprised. Isn't that something? Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it goes deeper than that. And so... Much more deeper. Much more deeper. Research shows that between 2019 and May 2021, homeschooling rates jumped from approximately 1% to 8% for black students. Among Hispanic students' rates, they've jumped from 2% to 9%. 
and the increase was less dramatic for white families where homeschooling still doubled from 4% to 8%. And between 2016 and May 2021, for Asian American families, homeschooling rates went from 1% to 5%. And the research finds that the reasons are many. Black and Latino families are tired of the racial bias that their children face at certain schools. They feel that it affects their psyche and their ability to learn. Asian families stated that they wanted to influence their children's cultural education. And most of the parents feel that their children are just not getting the quality education that they need at their traditional schools to be competitive and productive in this society. And so later during this episode, we're going to discuss this article. It goes in detail about the, you know, substantial increase in the number of children being homeschooled. That was, yeah, that was definitely interesting. (laughs) Yeah, very interesting. Make sure, make sure you go to our resources page, vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. There you will find products and services that will be helpful to you as you embrace a life of health and fitness. We have a variety of items on our resources list for you to check out. We have Reebok, we have um, Warby Parker, Polar, iRemedy Healthcare. In fact, I went on iRemedy Healthcare just today to get more masks since we're going to have to have a lot oh, more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, we have on that resources page the right stuff, which is a medical supplies place for the caregiver. So if you need it to, if you need to get like a cane or diabetic glucose check monitor, all of those kind of things you can find on that website, the right stuff. There's Art of Tea. We have My Lab Box, ecolunchbox.com, and much more on our resources page. But let's talk about ecolunchbox.com. Ecolunchbox um, specializes in stainless steel bento boxes. They have the lunch bags. And I like the lunch bags because they have art on um, drawn on the lunch bags. Th- those are the kinds that's out of the cloth. Uh, you have the napkins, the, the snack sacks, and other eco-friendly lunchware. These um, items, you know, that are on this website, they are certified. And so as a green business, <laughs> so these items are definitely environmental friendly. Now that we started back to school, I, th- I think here in Youngstown, they started back this week for the schools. Yeah, was it two? It was Tuesday, wasn't I, it? I think so. I think they started right yeah. after Labor Day. Yep. Yeah. This is the time we're sending our children back to school. We're going, some of us are going a little bit, even though we might have that flex time for our work situation. And so, yeah, invest in environment-friendly lunch boxes and silverware. And these items, they are colorful and beautiful. And so, yes, we have climate change here, whether we admit it or not. And so let's say goodbye to plastic so we can save our environment. Ecolunchbox.com, they not only have lunchboxes, they have containers. Um, they have a real cool type of uh, container called an 
Eco Lunch Pod. And so wonderful, unique containers, not just for, for lunch, but for storing your food in the refrigerator, all of that. And there's a sale going on as well. So make sure, <laughs> make sure folks, that you check out the ecolunchbox.com on our resources page. Go to www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources. And remember, when you use any of the affiliate links to buy any of the products and the services on our resources page, you are supporting us here at Vicky Doe Fitness. And as always, Dee, what do we say? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, Dee, like I said, I'm loving these days. We're approaching fall. There's cooler nights, less humid days, you know, and so I'm loving it. And school is back in full force everywhere, I pretty much think, right? In all the universities, the schools. Yeah, I think everybody's pretty much back now. Mm -hmm. You know, that Labor Day thing was always the dividing factor. But, yeah, everybody's back catching the bus and on their way. Boy, I remember those days, don't you? I know, right? (laughs) Whoa. I know. Yeah. So none of that, but I'm, I'm back in the mix whether That's I like right. it or How's not. school going? How is school going with you? Well, it's going. It's going. We're back. This time I'm doing dance. Usually when I came back this time around, because I'm always going back to Kent State uh-huh. teaching something, but this uh-huh. time around uh-huh. uh, I'm in the dance department for those of folks that want to know what I'm teaching this time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the dance department, but I also teach their dance, well, their anatomy and fizz, their dance anatomy and fizz, dance mechanics, whatever. This semester I'm liking because all I have to do is to show up and just dance, just teach dance. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Okay, great. So, and, and it's, it's, it's cool because, you know, we get a chance to, you know, see what the, the students, you know, they – Listen, right. they love it. They love it that they can come back and dance. I bet. Yes, we can go across now, the floor if, now. Do you all have ma- do you all have mask mandates or what? Oh yeah, we've always had to wear our mask and they even more so now they they tell us, "Listen, we want you vaccinated, but whether you vaccinated or not, as soon as you get inside, you got your mask on." So yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. <laughs> they ain't playing They're with not that. Playing. They're not playing. And then they have it where by the end of the semester, they want everybody to pretty much be vaccinated. Yeah, well, that's good. I yeah. think all, uh, many of the universities are going that way. Mm-hmm. Miami of Ohio, I believe, Ohio State, State yes, uh, mm-hmm. is going that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, good. And it makes good. sense because, hey, we know everybody got their rights and stuff, but look, we're up there teaching. We're breathing and stuff on each other. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't be worried about rights and stuff. Put your mask on, get uh-huh. vaccinated, and uh-huh. let's keep, keep it moving, like you say. <laughs> right. Keep it moving. We're in, the, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a pandemic. That's it now. You know, we can't, it can't be about your rights. I mean, just like you don't have the right to, to yell fire in the theater. That's, That's against it. the law. You can't do that. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. so your your rights impinge on my rights and 
my children's rights and their children's rights. So no, uh uh-uh. That's it. But I mean, you know, there these people are just they're just crazy. I mean, I I we were talking about this beforehand. Mm-hmm. I saw that football game with Virginia Tech, I believe it was, and thousands and thousands of people, mm-hmm. and not one mask in sight, and they're all up on top of each other. Oh, yuck. But I'll talk about it later because I want there's an argument that's out there that makes no sense. So I'm going to definitely ask you a little bit later in the show when you start okay. talking about that so you can okay. debunk okay. that. You can debunk that. Okay. And they're asking, okay. Er, okay. Look, they asking er, everybody. Er, everybody. <laughs> except the ID everybody. specialist, except the yeah. infectious. Yeah. Right. Disease yeah. specialist. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> for horses and stuff like that you know and willing to do that it's crazy willing to do that in the in look it's like well you crazy go on and do that because if you gonna I mean, do like, a you horse no <laughs> i know you don't know what's in the uh pills but you're gonna take those and you worried about what's in the vaccine <laughs> okay i get it <laughs> I'm a little slow. Okay. <laughs> look, they worried. Look, they worried about them being zombies. Uh, you better worry about being a horse. And <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They have one of those ma'am things in Facebook, and the lady was sitting on the grass, and she had this great big horse head on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. It's just absolutely nuts. I know. How was your your vacation? My yeah, my vacation was nice. Went to Hawaii. You know, a little bit of a challenge getting in there because oh, okay. you know they they're trying to keep strict measures. So there were some couple documents that I didn't have that I eventually got, but unfortunately I didn't have the so called um, wristband that you have to get from mainland to get into Hawaii. So I had to stand in line for an hour waiting to get my papers checked so that was annoying oh but, wow you know once you got into hawaii it's beautiful i mean it, the weather is just you know how can you be warm and sunny every day warm and sunny warm and sunny warm and i know sunny. right and uh the ocean and everything so it was nice and then i left okay and went to um then went to uh los angeles okay i to see mark my son yes. and my friend cynthia Okay. Cynthia and Olu. Yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, my friend Cynthia and Olu Orduba, yes. Okay, that's awesome. Yes, that was really nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you get back here, you feel like you got to pay penance because your work is tripled by the time you get back. Isn't that something? You know, there's no, no downtime. you got to jump right back into it. Yeah, you jump right back into a whole bunch of patients. Right back in, a lot of patients. Uh, as they say, I got dropped off into some funk. (laughs) (laughs) Dropped off in some funk. Yes. Yes. Well, look, like I tell Nate, Dr. Nate, and I'm telling you, Dr. D, listen, it's good that y'all got that patience and everything because, see, you know, I wouldn't be lasting too long. I'd be like, you know what? I know. You know, you're going to be silly. I'm out. Take care of your own self. Right. So it takes a lot of patience. It does. And you're you're taking care of patients, you know, and and it's kind of sad because many of them now realize 
how they should have been vaccinated, but it's too late for many of them right now, at least in the near future, if they make it, you know. Oh, I know. What is going on this week? <laughs> everything, Vicki, everything. I watched the U.S. Open tennis, you know, the other evening. I, yeah. How was that? Tell me how that was. That was great because I looked on the, the screen, you know, because Serena, a lot of the folks weren't playing this time no. around. They out, right? No. And so I looked on the screen and I was like, oh, my God, those are two brothers. And then TFO, Francis TFO, he was playing for U.S. of A. And then Canada was Felix. Felix, uh, uh, what is it? What's it? Arger, Alisami or something like that. Uh Alisami. They were playing the U.S. Open round of 16. And, man, that, that game was so refreshing and fantastic because it was a lot of they were rooting for either or that's how good they are <laughs> oh so now where is tf4's family from they're either from ghana they're one of the african countries they live oh, here okay. they live here in the u.s of a uh, so he's trained here yeah so he trained here and then he I, i'm pretty sure he grew up here as well yeah it was we were excited and then felix he's in canada so that whole game wow. was it was great and so well, uh, what happened to what happened to mom feet you remember yeah mom he ain't playing what happened to him he ain't no. playing i ain't seen him i ain't seen him for a while me either me either yeah and I you know see. we there was an article that i was looking at yesterday from the new york times talking about mm-hmm. how few American players we have left. Right, right. I don't know. We shall see. So that's why uh, rooting for TFO was good. Yeah, but he di- he didn't win. Felix won. And so now Felix, when I look, he's going to be playing um, the semifinal Friday, September the 10th. Oh, wow. So okay. I'm going to watch I'm gonna watch that. Cool. Yeah, so these watch young him. folks. I'll watch it too. Yeah, these young folks Good. are coming up now, you know. They are. They are. And somebody was saying that, well, not somebody, this article was just saying that, you know, it seems that, because the article was referencing Martina Nakatilova and okay. McEnroe and all these people were just saying, you know, it seems like, American tennis has just kind of la- lost their luster. They've lost their ump. You know, remember the days of Pete Sampras mm-hmm. and, and all of those guys. Yeah, and Martina, all of them. What's the name of the guy? Agassi and all of them. Yes. You know, just the the dominance of the United States is over. Well, I, you know, you kind of notice that uh-huh. when those uh, Ukrainian and Czechoslovakian and all those girls from the Eastern Bloc countries started to come in and challenge. Venus and Serena. Right. That's when that started. Right, right. Nobody has stood up to the plate because, you know, we, we do have Sloan and Goff and whatever, but it's uh, not yet. They're not yet right there yet, right? No. What was the deal with Sloan Stevens getting a lot of um, death threats? What's that about? Who knows? But you know, I have I didn't I heard that she was getting a lot of death threats, but I didn't know mm-hmm. what happened because of that. But yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna look that up and find that about so we can mm-hmm. talk about that. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's uh-huh. crazy. That is crazy. That'll be something to watch on the tenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'm definitely gonna watch it. That's uh, Friday. Good. Uh huh. 
the Hurricane Ida, all that damage. Oh, my God. Man, it was terrible. So Hurricane Ida, mm-hmm. people are still without power. Mm-hmm. This hurricane, the human toll was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Ida's death count rises while 600,000 still lack power. Mm. So Hurricane Ida's death toll continued to rise last Sunday with many in the U.S. Northeast holding out hope for people missing in the floodwaters, while nearly 600,000 customers in Louisiana still lack power a week after the storm made landfall. Mm. Ida slammed slammed into Louisiana on August the 29th as a powerful Category 4 hurricane with sustained winds of 150 miles per hour. The latest death toll there rose to at least 13 people on Sunday. The storm weakened as it moved north but still unleashed flash flooding on the east coast that killed at least 50 more people, according to updated numbers on Sunday. Mm. Ida's record-breaking rainfall, 3.1 inches per hour on Wednesday, recorded in New York City's Central Park, sent walls of water cascading through businesses, public transportation systems, and 1,200 homes, causing more than $50 million and damaged the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul said. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. The human toll was tremendous, said Hochul, recounting a trip to East Elmhurst in the New York City borough of Queens to assess the devastation. One woman wept mm. in my arms. An 80 year, 89-year-old woman, she had nothing left after living in that home for 40 years. Mm. The governor previously secured an emergency disaster declaration from President Joe Biden and signed paperwork on Sunday to request federal and related federal money to cover the cost of temporary housing as well as rebuilding homes, possibly in less flood-prone locations. New York had 17 confirmed deaths, four in suburban Westchester County and the rest in New York City, where nearly all the victims were trapped in illegal basement apartments. That are, that's what happened. A lot of them mm. were in these basement apartments, and they drowned. Mm. Um, these illegal basement apartments that are among the last remaining affordable options for low-income residents in the area. The governor's spokesman said in New Jersey there were 27 confirmed storm deaths and four people still missing, said a spokesman for Governor Phil Murphy. Among the missing were two college students last seen in Passaic, New Jersey, on Wednesday as Ida's historic deluge was reported to have swept them away in the raging Passaic River. Amid stifling heat and humidity, more than 590,000 homes and businesses in the state lacked electricity as of last Sunday, according to PowerOutage.com. Some 1.2 million had originally lost power. And that's just New York and New Jersey. I know. People in Louisiana are still, still I know. in the same situation. And, you know... I woke up that morning, Vicky. I mm-hmm. didn't hear anything. Television was off and so forth. So I woke up the next morning. It was like all this breaking news, breaking news, and I'm rolling over. I'm trying to see what is going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the devastation that had been done in New York over quick periods. I'm like, oh, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of and then I sat up and looked at the damage. It was terrible. I know. I know, and and just looking at those the water, you know, the subway stuff, the water just cascading down in there like it was yeah. a waterfall. It did. It was. It was something. And then there was, there was a picture of this guy in the basement of his house, and the wa- the water just pushed the wall in. 
Yeah. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it was mm-hmm. quick and fast too. Cause it was, it was. And yeah, Lu- Louisiana once again. They can't catch a break. They can't once again. They can't catch a break. Once again, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, um, they will get power because I I think they still don't have power, and it's Wednesday. I, 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 yeah, I'm sure a lot of them still don't have power. And you know, mm-hmm. when you don't have power, I had didn't have it for you know how sometimes on this street, everything, yes. everything hinges around power. You yes. can't do anything. Can't do anything. And just think of those everything people. Everything hinges around power. Mm-hmm. Just the, and then it's hot. If you down there where it's hot. And it's hot. Right. It's hot. And they ran out of gas. One, of, I, I was on the phone with one of my link sisters who's from Louisiana. We were on the phone with her last Wednesday. Uh-huh. She's a police officer. And she was saying that, you know, the police officers have special access to gas. But you see all these people in these lines. And she said she doesn't have electricity at her house. They have to depend on going to the car and starting the car up and charging their phone. Can you imagine? Oh. Yeah. She doesn't have any power either. So that's why they're trying to use gas for many things. I know. Very Global warming. Global. Global warming. Global hey. warming. Yes. Yes. Global warming. We keep saying that. Yep. yep. We keep saying it. Global warming. That's it. So we got to oh, do yeah. something. We can't just yeah. um, put yeah. our head in the sand. Well, Michael K. Williams has died wow. at, at age 54. Oh, my goodness. You know, I watched wow. The Wire a little bit. I watched The Wire. I didn't ever watch it, Vicki. I never yeah. watched it. Yeah, wow. it's, it, it was um on HBO. And then, you know, you know, it's around corruption and drugs and police, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. in Baltimore. But, yeah, he played the most memorable character in a series uh, and they thought that was the best show in television history. But I was trying to find, I know that he is, because I kept hearing that he's supposed to be, he was supposed to be getting the Emmy. He, well, you know, he was supposed to be nominated. Some kind of recognition. Yeah, he was nominated for Lovecraft County, which I it? watched all okay. last year. Yeah, he okay. was nominated for Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country, Country, country yes. I mean, and I kind of tangentially knew him a little bit because, you know, Nanette Lepore and Michelle Lepore Hagen are friends with Steve Buscemi, whom I've met many, many times at okay. their home in New York. And Steve was the one who started Boardwalk Empire. Okay. And I remember when they had the opening. In fact, I called Michelle yesterday to say, I bet Steve Buscemi is devastated because mm-hmm. for however many seasons Boardwalk Empire was on, he played Chalky White. Mm-hmm. And Chalky White was, again, this racketeer guy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, buying and selling Prohibition wine. and so on. He was just another, it was just such a good acting oh, part yes. for him. And everybody just really got into Chalky White. And Michelle was saying that she was sure that that whole cast was devastated because they everybody who met him or said anything to him was and Bobby Hagan was talking about him because he had met him and just said he was just a genuinely good guy the fact that he played such villainous roles Mm -hmm. spoke to how good he was as an actor because he wasn't like that at all in person 
Mm. You know? Yeah, gentle, gentle yeah. spirit, yeah. Gentle, gentle spirit. They say he was very generous. He never wanted to get into the Hollywood scene. He always came back to his roots. They say he never left his roots. He always wanted to, you know, be there to give back to the community and so forth. And it's just such a tragic loss. It's just, you know, the addiction thing is just, he had he had struggled with it and he talked openly about it and you know the addiction thing is just it's just very sad and I don't think that you know people talk about overdose like well he did it intentionally I don't for one minute believe that because what happens is with these newer drugs they decide they're going to get another high let's get another high and another high and then you start adding drugs on top of other drugs you don't know anything about pharmacokinetics right. and then now you've added a a respiratory depressant onto something else is to be a respiratory de- a depressant, uh-huh. and you're dead. And yeah, you're dead. it's it's mostly what unintentionally, right? Most of most of the time, most of it is unintentional. These people are not, you know, intending to kill themselves. It's just wanting that next high, mm-hmm. trying to achieve that next high, mm-hmm. and you know, you do it by adding more drugs and doing this, that, and, and that's why, and, and the, the problem is that many of these drugs act so quickly mm-hmm. that you don't have a chance to recuperate. You know, you may pass out, and then you stop breathing. That's it. So, yeah, it's just very sad. Just, just too young. Too young. Very young. I know. Very, very young. So, yeah. So we still and we talked about that uh, a few episodes ago that opioid, you know, drugs, they're still our problem. They're Big still time. epidemic. So Big time. Yeah. Big time. And Big we're time. seeing that. We're seeing that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is just another example of and, you know, it's happening to so many millions of people. And the problem, Vicki, is that, you know, this is happening the opioid situation is happening to so many millions of people in so many homes, and, you know, parents and their children and so forth. But unfortunately, as I said, it takes the death of a celebrity to bring it home. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's just very sad. That is sad. Hopefully, you know, we can, I don't know, we can try to at least do something to get a grip on it. But, yeah, a lot of folks are in pain or Something, because there is a reason why you do that kind of lifestyle, right? And be addicted and yeah. all that. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, I don't know. Was he, you know, he played that character in The Wire, but I'm thinking that of just some of the articles that I've read, and not that, of course, that leads to drugs or anything, but, you know, people struggle through different things. But I think he was part of the LGBTQ community. Yes. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what I heard and read, because mm-hmm. I know he played that character in The Wire. Right. And in Lovecraft Country, he played a bisexual man. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was just thinking. But, yeah, yeah, just a very complex, he played very complex characters, but... Uh, you know, all you can say is, may he rest in peace. Just such a shock. You know? It was such a shock. Yes, yes, yes. You never know what's going on in somebody. You never know until you walk in somebody else's moccasins. That's what I always say. And you are correct. Yes. What's the latest, D? Well, the latest, I thought I would bring this article uh, today on can the, va- can the vaccinated develop long covid after a breakthrough infection, you know, we're now seeing more vaccinated people with 
breakthrough infections. Mm -hmm. And while some breakthrough cases among those who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 are inevitable, they are unlikely to result in hospitalizations or deaths. But one important question about breakthrough infection that remains unanswered is, can vaccinated, can the vaccinated develop the so-called long COVID? So long COVID refers to a set of symptoms such as severe fatigue, brain fog, headache, muscle pain, sleep problems that can persist for weeks or months after the active infection has ended. The syndrome is poorly understood, but studies suggest that between 10 and 30 percent of adults who catch the virus may experience long COVID, including those who experience only mild illness or no symptoms at all. But the vast majority of data collected about long COVID has been an unvaccinated population. The risk of developing long COVID for the fully vaccinated who get infected after vaccination hasn't been studied. While preliminary research suggests that it is, in fact, possible for a breakthrough case to lead to symptoms that can persist for weeks to months, there are still more questions than answers. What percent of breakthrough cases result in lingering symptoms? How many of those people recover? Are the persistent symptoms after breakthrough infections as severe as those that occur in the vaccinated? I just don't think there's enough data, said Dr. Zijan Chen, medical director for the Center for Post-COVID Care at Mount Sinai Health System in New York. It's too early to tell. The population of people getting sick post-vaccination isn't that high right now, and there's no good tracking mechanism for these people. One recent study of Israeli healthcare workers publishing the New England Journal offers a glimpse of the risk of long COVID after a breakthrough infection. Among 1,497 fully vaccinated healthcare workers, 39 of them, about 2.6%, developed breakthrough infections. Mm. All, of the workers were all of the workers were believed to be infected after contact with an unvaccinated person, and the study was conducted before the Delta variant became dominant. While most of the breakthrough cases were mild or asymptomatic, seven out of 36 workers tracked at six weeks, 19%, still have persistent symptoms. These long COVID symptoms include a mix of loss of smell, prolonged loss of smell, persistent cough, fatigue, weakness, labored breathing, or muscle pain. But the study's authors caution against drawing too much conclusion from the research. The sample size is very small, mm. and the research was designed to study antibody levels in the infected, said Dr. Gilly Rejev-Yoke, Director of Infectious Disease Epidemiology at Sheba Medical Center. It was not designed to study the risk of long COVID after a breakthrough infection. It was not the scope of this paper, said Dr. Rejev-Yoke. I don't think we have an answer to that. Even so, the fact that one in five of the healthcare workers who had breakthrough infections still had lingering symptoms after six weeks appears to be the first indication from a peer-reviewed study that long COVID is possible after a breakthrough infection. People have said to me, you're fully vaccinated. Why are you being so careful, mm. said Dr. Robert Walker, professor and chair of the Department of Medicine at UCSF. I'm still in the camp of I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to get a breakthrough infection. And Dr. Walker said that despite the many limitations of the Israeli study, the data offer more evidence that vaccinated should keep taking reasonable precautions to avoid the virus. I'm going to make it at face, I'm going to take it at face value. One in five, six weeks after a breakthrough case, continue to feel crummy. 
that's enough to make me want to wear two masks when I go to the grocery <laughs> store, which is not burdensome anyway. Me too. Mm-hmm. Complicating the study of breakthrough infections is the fact that you know, the Center for Disease Control only tracks post-vaccination infections that result in hospitalizations and deaths. So while the CDC does continue to study breakthrough infections in several large cohorts, the lack of data on all breakthrough cases remains a source of frustration among scientists and patient advocacy groups. It's very frustrating not to have data at this point in the pandemic to know what happens to breakthrough cases, says Akiko Awasaki, an immunologist at Yale, who is conducting studies of long COVID. If mild breakthrough infection is turning into long COVID, we don't have a grasp of that number. Mm. Diana Barrett, founder of Survivor Corps, a Facebook group for people affected by COVID-19 that has about 175,000 members, took an informal poll and found 24 people who said they had lingering symptoms after a breakthrough infection. It's not a scientific sample, and the cases haven't been validated, but the poll shows the need for more data on breakthrough cases. You can extrapolate it to the general population, but it's a very strong signal that the CDC needs to be mandating reporting of every breakthrough case. We can't know what we're not counting. Some experts predict the surge of new cases caused by the spread of the Delta variant will unfortunately lead to, I believe this, lead to more breakthrough cases in the coming months. Mm. Dr. Chen of Mount Sinai said it will take several months before patients with long COVID from a breakthrough infection are enrolled in studies. We're waiting for these patients to show up at our doors. Despite the lack of data, one thing is clear. Getting vaccinated will reduce the risk of getting infected and getting long COVID, said Athena Akrami, a neuroscientist at the University College of London who collected and published data from nearly 4,000 long COVID patients after developing long COVID herself Mm. after a March 20th bout with COVID-19. It's simple math, said Dr. Akrami. If you reduce infections, then the likelihood of long COVID will drop automatically. So there you have it. There we have it. And so that was the question I was going to ask. You know, a lot of folks go, you know, trying to be, they just not getting it. But they always say, well, yeah, folks, you know, if you still are worried about people that are unvaccinated, and that means that you probably are not fully vaccinated when you get vaccinated. I was like, first of all, that's too complicated or how you said that. But it is. <laughs> it but, is. But at the same time, nothing is 100% anyway. No, and those vaccines were never 100%. They were always like 92%. Mm-hmm. So none of them, none of, none of the vaccines gave 100%. They were all like in their 90s. I think uh, Johnson & Johnson was in the high 80s. And this is what, those are the kind of things that you expect to see. I mean, shoot, the flu shot's only 60% right. on any given day. Right. So none of these vaccines are 100%. So, yeah. But that's not really a big surprise. That's not a big surprise. So that's why even Uh -uh. though you are vaccinated and most especially since we since we have a lot of folks that are putting their foot down to make sure that they stay unvaccinated, that makes us where we have to use extra protection, too. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Bottom line is you need to wear your damn mask. (laughs) Period. That's it. That's the take-home message. That's the take-home message. Well, thank you, Dee, right? 
You are welcome. You are welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 69. And our first article that we will look at today will be homeschooling. We talked about it a little bit, and I'm just going to go through just a little bit. But it says homeschooling exploded among black, Asian and Latino students. But it wasn't just the pandemic. And this was written in the Washington Post. And it says when school buildings were shuttered last year, Talicia, I would say Bates, had not given much thought to homeschooling her two school-aged children. Like a lot of parents, Bates, who lives outside of Richmond, viewed remote schooling as a temporary inconvenience and had plans of sending them back as soon as schools reopen. Then something in her shifted. Following the murder of George Floyd, Bates, who is black, had a panic attack. She worried about the safety of her family, and she began to question whether the school um, her children attended was equipped to talk about racism with young students. Bates, who has a master's degree in theology and is now a manager in the banking um, industry, did not learn about systemic racism until she was in college. Would her child have to wait that long, too, to understand the roots of injustice? For Bates' children, 10-year-old Caden, 8-year-old Kaylee, and 3-year-old Kason, these lessons could not be more critical. The children are descendants of Sally Hemmings, enslaved woman whose six children were fathered by Thomas Jefferson, and they live not far from Monticello, the, the former president's plantation. Now, Bates said, dealing with everything that we're dealing with, with the social climate, with the political climate, I could not see putting my kids back in school. I just could not. So last summer, she did something. She had 
scarcely considered before she decided to take her two older children out of school and teach them herself all while caring for her younger sister as the new school year approaches millions of parents are eager to deliver their children back to teachers and put remote schooling which wrought anger frustration and financial turmoil for parents who needed to return to work behind them but for other parents, particularly parents of color, the pandemic and last summer's national reckoning over race prompt them to pull their children from traditional schools entirely. Moves that help fuel an explosion in popularity of homeschooling. The percentage of children in homeschooling has nearly tripled since mid-2019. Um, By May of this year, the U.S. Census Bureau found more than one out of every 12 students were being homeschooled. Even more remarkable are where those gains came from. Even though homeschooling has often been considered the domain of religious white families, the most significant increases were seen among black, Latino, and Asian households. Between 2019 and May 2021, Homeschooling rates jumped from about 1% to 8% for black students, a more than six-fold increase among Hispanic students. Rates moved from increased to, let's see, 2% to 9%. The increase was substantial. For white families, homeschooling doubled from 4% to 8% over the same time period. Between 2016, the year of the most recently uh, available data for Asian American families, and May homeschooling rates for Asian families were from 1% to 5%. Now, as coronavirus vaccination rates rise and infection rates fall, educators hope Black, Latino, and Asian parents who had expressed the greatest reluctance to return to classrooms will feel confident enough to put their children back in school buildings. But many have concerns that extend far beyond coronavirus safety issues, meaning the upswing could become permanent. So what is driving the shift is difficult to parse because of the dearth of research that focuses on black, Latino, and Asian families. But previous studies of black homeschooling families found they were often pushed out of traditional school systems when their children encountered racist treatment in the classroom. In interviews, Latino families expressed similar concerns and Asian families sought to influence their children's cultural education. And if we move on down, it talks about a scholar named Allie Coleman um, is working on a book about black homeschooling. Um, Allie Coleman said that many black parents fear that some traditional public schools will exact a uh, mental and psychological toll on their children. When we talk about being in spaces where our histories are continuously distorted or ignored, where a child cannot see themselves or their ancestors in the retelling of stories 
on how things have been created or developed. That is an insult on mental state. And so homeschooling becomes a safe space. And so, yeah, a lot of folks are doing that. Before the pandemic, research showed that black homeschool parents sought to escape a system that they believe treated their children unfairly. It was something Mahala Dyer Stewart, a psychologist and visiting professor at Hamilton College in New York, discovered when she interviewed black and white homeschooling families within an unnamed Northeast metropolitan region as part of a study conducted from 2014 to 2016. It had many stories. This is what Stewart said in an interview. It had many stories of black boys being framed by teachers in particular as violent or hostile when the mother didn't see where that was coming from. And by contrast, the white families primarily were concerned about the coursework and their academic records. Um, And so they didn't have any of those issues. And the article just goes on and it has different examples of families. Mm -hmm. The Latino, what was her name? Tanya Mm -hmm. Soleto or Sotelo is Latina and raising her family in a community east of Los Angeles. She and her husband began homeschooling her autistic son, Fox, eight this year in part because they began worrying about what would happen when the boy shed his cuteness and smallness. And when Fox grew to be taller, would administrators perceive him as a threat when he is in the midst of a breakdown? Yeah, yeah. So her focus are rooted in data, black and Latino children and special education, education students are overrepresented in suspensions, expulsions, and school arrests for reasons some attribute to racial bias. So, yeah, the article, I mean, it just goes on and on, you know, giving, giving, yes. Another example was that, uh, I guess, a professor, education professor, uh, Cheryl Field Smith at the University of Georgia, who has conducted the most significant research on black homeschooling families, said she worries about what traditional schooling, including the DARF of black history, does to the psyche of a black child. She said the recent efforts to tamp down on how teachers talk about race, including passing laws that ban the teaching of critical race theory, concern her. Cultivating a positive self-identity for children of all races means that we have to tell the truth about our history. It worries me that somebody is worried about that and they want to stop that, Phil Smith said. Right now we have to homeschool because the way schools are, most of them, it's tearing our children apart. I thought, I mean, and it goes on and on, but it does end with this that for Bates, and that's who they really talked about originally, the mother from Virginia, Mm. homeschooling Mm. has brought a sense of freedom for her. Her children have a flexible schedule, allowing them to take breaks when needed. Her children can work on their own timelines instead of being tied to a school curriculum, taking breaks or spending more time on subjects that trip them up. And she is intent 
on centering black history in their education. And they said that she had been worried that homeschooling would overwhelm her and her husband, but instead it seemed to have the opposite effect. And she said, for the first time in a long time, I feel extremely liberated. So, yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, I was very surprised. I was very surprised at the direction that that article took, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so a a lot of parents are you know, stepping up to the plate, and they're saying, you know what? Yeah. We are homeschooling our kids. Yeah, I'm not mad at them at all. Not mad at them at all. No. That's it. That's it. So a lot of places, you know, I guess that would be something to think about, too, is, you know, Mm -hmm. for for the folks, we got to keep in mind for folks that are homeschooling their kids, you know, what kind of other extracurriculum programs we can have online for them right exactly you know wow that's great so that's that's great great. did you ever did you ever do any homeschooling of your girls at any point in time we never really did homeschooling but we always had even with them in school we always had a tutor that came over every saturday weekly oh okay and tutored them yes and then of course i always I always helped, and Nate always helped. But right. even with them being in school, we always had a tutor. Oh, good. That's the way you have to do it. Yeah, so no gotta excuses. Got to have that leg up. Got to have that leg up. No, That's you it. Got to have that leg up, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. good. Yes. Good. That's it. So this article is from the, the Washington Post. Uh-huh. What is the pelvic floor and how pandemic life could be harming yours? Mm-hmm. So the coronavirus? Virus pandemic has been blamed for a rise in mental health conditions, weight gain, broken toes, skin picking, and dental issues. But according to physical therapists and urologists, it may also be responsible for problems in an often overlooked part of our bodies, the pelvic floor. Located at the base of the pelvis, the pelvic floor consists of a group of muscles that provide support for internal organs, including the bladder, rectum, uterus, and prostate. The muscles are also involved in posture, urination, bowel movements, and sex. Anecdotally, some pelvic floor experts say they have seen an influx of patients during the pandemic with new or worsening pelvic floor problems related to working from home and heightened levels of stress and anxiety. The combination of stress and then just sitting and not getting up to do those different activities throughout the year, throughout your workday, definitely seem to have contributed to patients' people's symptoms. So, um, Alicia Jeffrey Thomas, a pelvic floor physical therapist at Greater Boston Urology. Long stretches spent sitting in front of computers at makeshift workstations and less movement throughout the day can shorten the pelvic floor muscles and cause them to become tight, which can lead to pain, experts say. And the people who are feeling stress may unknowingly tense their pelvic muscles, that tense their pelvic floor muscles similar to people who clench their teeth in mm-hmm. response to stress. The need for pelvic physical therapy has kind of exploded in the last year, said Jeffrey Thomas. Her last name is Jeffrey Thomas, who started posting informative videos about pelvic health on TikTok during the pandemic, many of which have, that have gone viral. Mm-hmm. Yet she and other experts said awareness and education about pelvic floor issues, which can affect any person regardless of gender, are lacking. The pelvic floor is complicated, said Emily Slopnick, 
a urologist at the Cleveland Clinic who has specialty training in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. It's part of our body that most of us are not used to being aware of or thinking about. So how do pelvic floor muscles work? So think of your pelvis as a large cereal bowl, said Susie Gronsky, a pelvic floor expert that specializes in men's pelvic health and sexual pain. The pelvic floor muscles are the bottom of the bowl, stretching from the pubic bone to tailbone and extending between your sit bones, she said. Inside that bowl and inside that bowl are the pelvic organs. Beyond supporting these organs, the muscles work with your core and act as a postural stabilizer, said Mary Austin, director of the pelvic health physical therapy residency at Johns Hopkins. They are involved in bladder and bowel function by contracting so you don't leak urine or produce stool at inappropriate times and relaxing so you can urinate or defecate. The muscles also play a role in sexual tension, sensation, and arousal. To locate the muscles, Gronsky recommends sitting and sliding your hands underneath your sit bones or the ischial tuberosity, the bones in the lower part of your pelvis that support your weight when you sit down. Then she said, cough, laugh, sing a song. The change in intracavitary pressure will translate down into the trampoline-like pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor will adjust to the tissue demands placed on it, and you might notice some movement in your hand. For example, you might feel a contraction or lifting up sensation or gentle pressing sensation into your hand. What causes pelvic floor dysfunction? Well, pelvic floor dysfunction is a broad term for anything that's happening with the pelvic floor that is not a normal state, said Heather Jeffcoat, president-elect of the Academy of Pelvic Health Physical Therapy, and typically occurs when the muscles are either overactive or underactive. Symptoms include pain in the pelvic area or during sex, as well as difficulties with urination and bowel movement, experts said. In some people, problems can lead to pelvic organ prolapse, which is when your organs drop out of their normal position because the pelvic floor eats and no longer support them. Mm. The most widely known cause of pelvic floor dysfunction is pregnancy and delivery, noting that both vaginal and cesarean section of delivery can result in muscle trauma. Other factors that can increase your chance of developing problems are aging, trauma to the pelvic area, including sexual abuse, surgeries such as prostatectomies or gender-affirming procedures, and overusing the pelvic muscles, for example, going to the bathroom too often or straining too hard, which can lead to poor muscle coordination. Overactive muscles are, the, are most often responsible for pain symptoms and can also complicate urination and make it harder to have a bowel movement. Although people often associate underactive, longer, and overstretched muscles with urinary incontinence, experts emphasize that the overactive muscles, which are also weak and not coordinated, could be blamed. Although pelvic floor problems are common, Jeffco urged, people not to dismiss their symptoms. She urged people not to dismiss their symptoms as normal. So what habits might be affecting my mm -hmm. muscles? Mm -hmm. Anything that bypasses the typical mechanisms of your pelvic floor could cause a worsening in that area, said Jeffrey Thomas. When you use the bathroom, it's important to focus on relaxing rather than pushing, which can create pressure. Don't hover over the toilet, she said. Instead, instead, experts advise assuming a squat-like position on the toilet with your knees. So basically, mm -hmm. she also talked about training your body 
to be able to urinate. Some of the things I think that you teach people that uh, mm-hmm. have um, uh, spinal cord injuries. Mm-hmm. So for those with desk jobs or those still working from home, avoid sitting in one position for hours on end. It might not be a very high load on the muscle, but a little bit of low strain that happens every day for several months is cumulative. It's cumulative, and it's going to build up. Basically, people often mistake, uh, make the mistake of thinking that the solutions to any problem in the pelvic area is to just do contractions, known as Kegels. Remember Kegels? Yes, Kegels. <laughs> had a baby mm-hmm. um, and said slop neck, the Cleveland Clinic urologist. The problem is that if there are any undiagnosed issues with pelvic muscle tension or tightness, you can make things worse. It's not all about the muscles being strong. It's also that the muscles need to be coordinated and need to be able to relax. If an expert suggests that you do kegels or if you're symptomless but are doing them as a preventive measure, imagine an elevator, Austin said. Close the vaginal and rectal openings as if you're closing the doors of an elevator, and then you want to kind of sit it up for a few floors by squeezing and lifting. The contraction should be gentle, Jeffrey Thomas said. For people with penises, Jeffrey Thomas suggested thinking about trying to gently contract to lift the penis and testicles. Try to work pelvic floor muscles into your daily life, such as when you're lifting something heavy or during your regular workout routine. Depending on your fitness level and pelvic floor conditioning, you can do contractions while holding a plank position or squatting or lunging. To relax the muscles, experts suggest diaphragmatic breathing exercises, stretching, and what are known as reverse kegels, which require pushing down through the pelvic floor and lengthening the muscles. There are biofeedback apps and devices that can assess your performance during these exercises, which experts say can be helpful for some people but are not always necessary. If you're comfortable looking at your own body, all you need is a mirror. Angle the mirror so you can see your anus. Okay. Angle the mirror so you can see your anus. When you contract, it should pucker up. Uh When it rests, it should soften, open back up, and when it bears down, it should open up a little bit. I think I might pass. Should you discover or develop any problems, experts are seeking a professional opinion. These are often embarrassing issues related to urination, defecation, sexual activity, things that are kind of hard to talk about, Slotnik said. But it's important to be straightforward so we know what's going on and how to be of best help. Well, Vicki, there you have it. <laughs> there it is. So, As you would say when we were talking about something the last time, right. Okay, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Right. So now y'all know. Right. Right. (laughs) So in other words, get your ass up instead of sitting forever. Exactly. So you can so you can work your pelvic region. Exactly. And get out there and walk. So and get up there and walk. Exactly. <laughs> the bottom line is you got to keep it moving. Keep it moving. That's it. That's exactly keep it. it. <laughs> well, that was a great article. And our last article. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> our last article: the secret to raising a resilient kid. 
And this was written in the New York Times. The ability to bounce back is more important now than ever. Here's how to impart it. Now, this was written by Eric Vance, and he is given a story. And he says, in my early teens, my dad took myself, my best friend and our neighbor, on a grueling backpacking trip connecting California's Yosemite Valley to Half Dome to nearby Clouds Rest Mountain and back again. And so by the second day, halfway up Clouds Rest on wobbly legs and they were besieged by mosquitoes, the three of us made it clear to my father that we were done. No, nobody had heard of Clouds Rest and nobody had the juice to see the top. Okay, I understand. I remember dad saying, you guys stay here, Eric, let's go. There was no point arguing. Even today, my many um, memory of the top of clouds rest is the blue sky I saw flat on my back, panting and praying for a speedy death. Later, of course, I decided the hike as an epic victory of teenager over nature, which I suspect is why my dad pushed me to do it. Whether he knew it or not, dad was a big believer in the concept of resilience, the ability to engage with a challenge, risk, or impediment, and come out the other side with some measure of success. It's a psychological principle, um, blending optimism, flexibility, problem solving, and motivation. It's the job you got through pure determination, the game you eat out against a far better team or the mountaintop that made you want to strangle your father. Dad called it character. It, it is about the ability to bounce back even when times get tough, but that implies it's only about survival, said Dr. Kenneth Ginsberg, a Pediat uh, pediatrician and the author of the American Academy of, of Pediatrics book called Building Resilience in Children and Teens. Resilient people not only bounce back, but also thrive in the best of times. Never has resilience, be it physical, mental, emotional, or financial, been more important to our society than in the past year and a half. And never have I been so determined to pass it on to my son. He may not climb mountains, but life will always have a disaster, disappointment, or pandemic to throw his way. If he can't roll with the punches, his life will be very, very hard. Thankfully, most experts say resiliency is something that can be fostered, nurtured, and develop in children from a very young age. You just have to build a safe foundation, find challenges, and watch kids thrive. Build a stable, safe foundation. Creating resilience in children isn't just chucking them into the deep pool, into the deep end of a pool to see if they can swim. It's about the bedrock of support you give them every day. Having a relationship with a caring parent is far and away the most powerful protective factor for children, said Ann Mastin, a, a psychology professor at the University of Minnesota and a pioneer in the study of resiliency in children. Children need to feel they have a stable home, a stable home base before they can 
take risks and learn to bounce back. If a child skins her elbow falling off a bike, the best way to help her get back on is to make sure she knows she's loved no matter what. Dr. Mastin said, resilience is less a specific trait and more a network of overlapping ones like flexibility, confidence, and even societal support like healthcare and schooling. But the critical or the crucial part is that children feel safe and supported. In order to weather a storm, you need a solid shelter. Model behaviors for your kid. Part of teaching your child to be resilient is first projecting resilience yourself. You're a plane. There's turbulence. You're on a plane. There's turbulence. You don't look at the guy next to you who's hysterical. Dr. Gainsbourg said, you look at the flight attendants to see if they're still serving snack mix. And that's so true, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Don't you think? That's so true. Always, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Losing your temper when a child refuses to go to sleep breaks your grandmother's heirloom teapot or just freaking can't get out the door in the morning only tells him that it's useful to have a fit when something goes wrong. It can be hard, especially when you know he's misbehaving. But regulating your own emotions goes a long way to teaching your child to do the same. You are always teaching by how you handle things yourself, Dr. Mastin said. What parents do when they get upset, their kids are observing that. Make the most of small challenges. If you put the word resilience on a poster, it will probably be under a photo of someone climbing a mountain fighting a forest fire, or perhaps tending to patients in a COVID ward. But in fact, it's the small disappointments or frustrating moments that truly build resilience. Let's say your child comes home from school with an F in math, and you know he didn't work hard on that assignment. Rather than making it clear you think he's lazy, focus on cause and effect. He didn't study and was thus unprepared, and how he can do better next time. Cause and effect can be control, and having a sense of control is a core element of resilience. Help your child stretch herself. Once a kid feels safe, supported, and has a good model of resilience, it's time to challenge her a little. For Tyler Fish, a resilience is a delicate balance between success and failure. Mr. Fish works for the outdoor education company Outward Bound, helping set educational priorities for, say, youth backpacking, dog sledding, or canoeing trips across the world. A 25-year-old veteran of the company and former instructor, he said that resilience is a principle that helps them change the lives of kids from all kinds of backgrounds. It's not just about being tough. It's not resiliency, said Mr. Fish, it's about doing things that you're not sure you can do and with other people. When teaching canoeing, for instance, he puts, uh, he starts by putting a child or a kid into a boat to see if she can figure it out. Then after a little frustration, he gives some instruction 
and lets her try again. Then he repeats the cycle so that she can balance success and failure. It's the same for other lessons like making friends, teamwork, or leadership. One of the great skills of parenting is knowing how to challenge, when to challenge, how much to challenge, Dr. Mastin said. There's no one right way to foster resilience, just like there's no one right way to parent. Three weeks ago, I had a perfect opportunity to teach resilience to my five-year-old son. And this is what the author is saying. We had reserved a campground in Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park about four miles from the trailhead. I thought about my dad in those moments picking rocks out of oatmeal after two days on the tra- on the trail. When we arrived, wow. <laughs> I know, when we arrived, we learned that the next 48 hours will be plagued with thunderstorms, downpours, and even a flood warning. We could... Um, trudge for hours through the rain, set up a miserable camp, and um, shiver in the tent to get warm. What a fantastic opportunity to build resilience. (laughs) But those treasured trips of my youth, my wife reminded me, were in my teens, and our kindergartner just wants to be on vacation with his parents. So we canceled the hike went to the zoo and spent a night in a nice hotel (laughs) watching a superhero movie. We'll save the downpour death march for another time. Teacher resilience, (laughs) it seems, has its limits. I thought this was an awesome, just an awesome one. Isn't it? It is good. A nice feel good. good. Yeah. It is a very feel good. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think one of the most important things about mm-hmm. that, I, that I that is you teach resilience by being resilient. Yes. You know, your kids, your kids see you stick to itness and you know not giving up and rah rah and doing this that, and the other. That's the best way to show your children mm-hmm. resilience is by doing. You know what I mean? By doing, yes. And you're not yeah. complaining all the time. You you know I was just getting ready to say the <laughs> same thing. You're not whining all the time. You're not whining and complaining, Vicky. I was just getting ready to say the same thing. Yes, my sister. Yes. yes. You know, at one point, you know, and I'm not gonna say it here, but it shut the you know what up and, and let's right. and let's do something about it. Let's find right. a solution. Let's find a solution. Right, 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 right. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Mm-hmm. They don't see you running around whining. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the best example, you the know. The best example. So, yeah, that was a good article. Yeah, these are good articles today. Good yes, article. very good articles. Well, D, this ends our show. So do you have some tips that we should think about? Well, if you just go back to each one, you mm-hmm. know, um, I talked about the long-haul COVID patients. And, I mean, you know, yes, it can happen. But the bottom line is let's go back to get the damn vaccine, <laughs> y'all. Wear your damn mask. That has not changed since I've been on here since we've had COVID. Wear your mask, get your vaccines. Number two, you know, some of those healthy floor muscles, and we all know that they're going to be many more syndromes that are coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you're having pelvic floor 
and this was a pretty lengthy article to kind of give you all the ins and outs of what to look for, mm-hmm. you know, get professional help, seek professional help, mm-hmm. or, you know, just do some of the exercises that, you know, I was talking about in the article. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you talked about the, like I said, the resilience one was mm-hmm. just fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, just basically the bottom line is be the example that your kids mm-hmm. can see yes. and teach them teach them that kind of resilience. So, yeah. Teach them um, that time of resilience. Yes. You know, yeah. and this is the perfect time. This is the perfect opportunity, whether we like it or not. It's the perfect opportunity. So if, if, if you whine about why wear masks, then we're going to have that. You know, your student going to be coming to my class whining about why they got to wear the mask. Okay. Vicki, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. If they're in a household mm-hmm. where they're seeing everybody complaining and really giving every reason and excuse not to wear a mask or mm-hmm. not this, that, and the other, it's, of course, quite naturally going to rub off on them. Exactly. So lead so, by example, yeah. like you were saying, lead by lead example. Lead by example. Lead by example, yes. And yes. then last but not least, I would add, listen, kudos to the homeschooling parents out there. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. And let, last but not least, let us not forget the homeschool parents. And the lesson for that was mm-hmm. that the different cultures, are finding reasons that it's not just about academic. Mm-hmm. It's about an opportunity to to tell your story, yes. your culture, your story. Because, you know, as we know, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of everybody's cultures are not getting told the right way. And specifically since they dealt with black people in this article, mm-hmm. that, you know, in all the, all the discussions now about how critical race theory is being taught in school. And we all know, I mean, from early mm-hmm. childhood, I learned black history from my parents. Big time. I didn't get it in school. I did not Mm -mm. get it in school. Mm -mm. I learned it from my parents. And so I still feel, like I did with my children growing up, I didn't rely on their high schools and colleges and so forth Mm -hmm. to teach them about black history. Mm -mm. I did it myself, and I feel it's incumbent upon us as black parents or any other culture, Mm -hmm. don't depend on the school system to tell your story. That's it. You tell your children your story. That's it. And I always have a black history one-on-one now at, at, at home. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I did too. I absolutely did too. And yes, it's, imp- did it's too. important. And, and I, I really feel that it that has helped my two girls as they navigate in a white society. They're not uh, surprised when stuff happens. You know what I mean? Correct. Correct. <laughs> absolutely. You have to do your own sitting down and teaching your story and the impact of how mm-hmm. that is on society and teach them how to mm-hmm. maneuver and this, that, and the other. Because, like I said, it's not going to be taught in school. No, it's not. You no, know? it's not. And then, and then like you say, mm-hmm. uh, black folks, we as black folks, let's face it, as you just said, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you have to move between communities. You have to move between cultures. You have to know how to operate That's in it. other worlds. That's and it. I think if you teach your kids at home, they'll have the skill set to That's be able it. to do that. It's about giving them the skill set to be able to deal in a dual world That's or a triple world, whoever you're going to be in contact with. Exactly. That's exactly. And that's why I like that article about 
the resilience thing with your kids, you know, mm-hmm. I knew that your kids were that way because you all lead by example. Mm-hmm. But even though you didn't homeschool, I know you taught your kids, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all those lessons of walking in your moccasins at home mm-hmm. and then being able to send them out into the community so they can deal. As you say, as we say, you send them out so they can deal. And everybody knows what that means. Exactly. That's it. And yeah. you did the same yeah. too. All of us yeah. all of us have all of us to did. we have to do it. You know, it's like we you have know to do it. It's like it's it's a part of what you do, right? It's a right to it's a right to pass. Rice of passage. That's it's it. a right to passage. It's a right to passage. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this was an awesome show. It was. It yes, was. Yes. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.